Hello, welcome to Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. My name is Pastor Solomon Odinyebuchi Okono. The topic of this week's lesson is Ultimate Rest. The key text is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Please pray with me. Eternal Father, thank you for such a wonderful opportunity we have to share your word. Dear Lord, I pray that as I lead out this moment, open the hearts of your people, that your word will be received with eagerness, and that, Lord, we will live out the things we study to the glory and honor of your name and to our blessings. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been faced with a struggle of whether or not to take an action? If you have, you are not alone. You're not the only one who has had to go through such a struggle. That struggle is only an indication that you are one of the actors in the midst of a great battle between good and evil. All humans, Christians and non-Christians alike, at one time or the other, battle with a struggle to or not to take certain actions. Although, according to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, the great controversy began in heaven and plays out at a global and cosmic level, its breathing place is the heart of man. The thoughts you allow to grow in your heart will determine whether or not you will be victorious in the great controversy. While the reality of a controversy is not debatable, we can easily get too focused on the conflict itself that we lose sight of the big picture of God's escape plan for this world. Yes, wars, political unrest, and natural disasters can sometimes hold us back, can sometimes terrorize us. And if Jesus tarries, each one of us will someday die. But the good news is that God has made plans for the final vindication and victory of his children. This week, we look at how we can rest in Jesus in the face of global unrest and our own unknown future, at least in the short term. A vision of the end. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. John, the oldest disciple of Jesus to die, was banished to the rocky island of Patmos as a punishment for his being a follower of Jesus. What thoughts could John have possibly had as he languished on that lonely island? John could possibly have wondered if following Jesus was still worth it. On the day that Jesus ascended to heaven, an angel had appeared to assure the apostles that Jesus would return in the same manner he was ascending. But here was John, years after, without the fulfillment of that promise. He possibly remembered how Jesus said to them in Matthew 28, 18-20, I will be with you always. 
but now all the other disciples that were witnesses to the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and to the promise had all been martyred. In that state of despair, God gave John a vision. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21, 1-2 The great vision of John recorded in Revelation helped John confidently to rest in God's provisions and promises. Surely, this revelation of Jesus must have been a great comforter to him, knowing that Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, will certainly fulfill his promises. Life now may be hard, even fearful, for you. How do, does knowing that God knows the future help you to remain calm and strong in the face of life's adversities? The countdown. Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world. Matthew 24 records Jesus' most famous sermon, which details from the days of Jesus until the later days events that will point to his second coming. Jesus wanted his followers not to be in the dark, but to be ready and to prepare for his second coming. Contrary to the many misleading teachings about the second coming of Jesus, the Bible teaches that Jesus' second coming will be a literal event. During the universal flood of Noah's day, only Noah and his family members were saved, even if all those who lived around them had the message of a coming flood. What lesson can you learn from the experience of Noah's world that will help you to prepare better for the second coming of Jesus? In this cosmic conflict, we are more than just observers. We are to be active participants in spreading the gospel to the ends of the world, which means that we too will face persecution, but Jesus has encouraged us to endure till the end. Marching orders. As we wait for the return of Jesus, we are not to sit back and do nothing. As final events unfold, and as we get Closer to the end of time, as our world gets crazier, we have been admonished not to conform to the standards of the world or to sit and just watch events. So maybe say, well, after all, we cannot do anything alone to change the world. But God does not want us to live that way. Instead, he wants us to play the role which Noah and his family played in their world. Revelation 14 tells us that our purpose during these last days of Earth's history should be to tell others about God's judgment and to help them prepare for the second coming. The message of Revelation 14, 6-12 is an urgent message. It is a present truth, which we also find in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. The message begins with the powerful news of Christ's death and resurrection, upon which our only hope of salvation rests. It also presents the certainty of the hour of God's judgment. Revelation 14 verse 7. The message of Revelation 14 calls the whole world to worship the one 
who made heaven, the earth, and warns against having any worship allegiance to Babylon, the beast and his image. Finally, the message of Revelation 14 presents God's end-time people. He has the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We will only experience true rest if we heed God's warning of coming out of Babylon and worshiping only Him. Rest in peace. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 reads, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For centuries, Christians have been waiting for Christ's return. Christ's second coming is the climax of the hopes of all believers, dead or alive, throughout history. Hebrews 11.13 reveals that believers who die in God do not go to heaven at once. Yes, like Christ's apostles, many believers who died with hope never received a promised reward. What Ellen White writes in The Desire of Ages, page 787, To the Christian, death is but a sleep, a moment of silence and darkness. The life is hid with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Jesus compares a person's condition between death and resurrection morning to an unconscious sleep. John chapter 11, verses 11 to 14. But he also emphasized that both the saved and the lost will receive their reward after the, rever- the resurrection. John 5, 28 to 29. So you should be prepared for death and be ready whenever it comes. What comfort do you get from knowing that your deceased loved ones are indeed now at rest, especially if they died in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. In Philippians 4 verses 4 to 6, Paul admonished the believers to rejoice in the Lord always. What was Paul saying here? Well, Paul was not saying that believers should rejoice in the trials that they face daily, but that they should rejoice in the Lord always. Meaning, no matter our present situation, no matter what trials we are facing, if we dwell on God, on his goodness, his love, and on his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for us. We can rejoice in him and have peace for our weary souls. The very tune of the text implies rest, peace, and a transcendent hope of something beyond this world. Imagine, too, the kind of rest for our souls that we would have if, indeed, we could be anxious for nothing. This hardly seems realistic for anyone in this world. Even Paul had plenty of worries. But again, knowing that a loving God is ultimately in control and will save us into his kingdom can surely help us put the things that we are anxious about into proper perspective. The Lord is at hand. That is, he is always close to us. And as soon as we close our eyes and rest in the sleep of death, the next thing that we will know is the return of Christ. No question 
Life is full of tensions, trials, and struggles. None of us escape them. Certainly, the Apostle Paul didn't either. Second Corinthians 11 tells us that. Nevertheless, his point is to tell us that even with all that we endure now, we can rejoice in what we have been given in Christ. And indeed, we can find rest for our souls even now. Please pray with me. Eternal Father, thank you again for granting us the privilege to review this lesson. I pray, dear Father, that as many as have heard it this moment will be open to the truth, will accept the truth, and live out the truth so that your name will be glorified in our lives and your blessings will be attracted upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.